Do we have any fathers in the room? Could dads just raise your hand? Clap it up for fathers. Yeah, I see y'all. Represent. Dad's in the room. Now, listen to this. No good father tells his child yes all the time. Okay? In fact, you probably tell your, tell your child no more than you tell your child yes. And this is the part that's going to come for your scalp. Sometimes you tell your child no with no explanation. Now, the reason you say no for no explanation, with no explanation, is because they're not mature enough to even understand the reason why you said no. Like your one-year-old doesn't understand you already had two popsicles. And the reason I'm telling you no for your third popsicle is because that's too much sugar for you to consume. A one-year-old is just gonna cry, they're just gonna have a fit because they're not mature enough to see the love in your no. All right, ooh, it's getting quiet. Go ahead and snap it. It's getting quiet. They're not mature enough to handle when you say no without an explanation. Now, maybe when they're five, maybe when they're 10, maybe when they're 12, they have matured to the point enough where you can explain to them why you have said no. And a lot of us, I think the church has done us a disservice because we're preaching to you as if God only says yes. <laughs> and if we don't even know, like we don't even know how to look for a no. Because we just expect he's going to give me the desires of my heart. He's going to give me what I want. If I pray hard or fast, like we just expect it's going to be yes. But what I've discovered, especially while I was studying, if we don't know how to hear, we can't heed. You can't heed to what you can't hear. I wonder have we been taught and have the biblical intelligence enough to be able to hear and know when God is saying, no, this is not my will. Because every time, y'all hear me, every time a decision is before you, snakes and wisdom will start talking. At the, I didn't even start preaching yet. This is all just like my welcome, welcome. Y'all come on in, welcome. This, this all, every time you're about to make a decision, snakes and wisdom will start talking to you. We see this, we see this in the Garden of Eden. Eve has a choice if she's going to obey God or not, and then snake starts talking to her. Are you going to listen to me or are you going to listen to the voice of wisdom? So this is one of those uncomfortable sermons. This is one of those most pastors won't preach because it will affect their offering and affect their views. But I don't do this for likes. I do this out of obedience. I really want to help us to be able to know when God is saying, it's not me. When God is telling you, no. This isn't my will. Because if we're going to make destiny decisions, don't you think it's critical for you to be able to identify when God's saying, don't go that way? No, don't marry him. Ooh, don't, don't, don't do business with them. If you don't know how to identify his no, then you risk making decisions that are orbiting around your yes. So welcome, everybody. Thank you so much. That was all just like pre-introduction. I want to speak around this thought from this subject for a few moments when God says no. Can we pray together? Father God, you're awesome. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come together and dissect your word. And Father, we, we pray that you give us the wisdom, that you give us the faith, that you give us the hearts to be able to understand that your yes, your no and your weight are all submerged in the same amount of love. All of the study, all of the preparation means absolutely nothing if you are magnified, glorified, and exalted. The worship has gone forth. We have laid the red carpet and saying, King, come into this house. Come into this house and get yourself some glory. Make me invisible so that you are seen as visible. Anoint me as your oracle, as your PA system. And everybody who agrees with that prayer would just shout in the room, amen. amen. Everybody online would you put in the room, amen. I'm sweating already because I know what direction this is going to go. And it's going to be rough in here on today. 
<laughs> Don't laugh because it's not going to be funny later. Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we are now in part three. Installment number three of this brand new sermon series that we launched three weeks ago entitled Destiny Decisions. Has this series been good for anybody so far? <laughs> Destiny Decisions. And I just believe this particular series is submerged in wisdom. In wisdom. And the reason I believe God is taking us this route for the second series of the 2022 calendar year is because whatever God has put on the inside of you, whatever mission that you're supposed to fulfill in the earth while you're here in time, whatever purpose you're supposed to fulfill, the way I know that you have a purpose is because you currently have a pulse. The reason there is a birthday for you is because there's a purpose you have to fulfill. Whatever in your past you have to make peace with so that yesterday's pain won't hand you today's perspective. Whatever it is that God is calling you to and that call is critical for you to answer, God wants to help us. He wants to give us wisdom in the arena of our choices and decision-making so that we can make choices that push us in a position to advance versus choices that send us to recovery. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice that is tired of living in recovery season? Y'all not talking to me online. Is there anybody, I'm tired of recovering from an unwise choice. I'm tired of recovering from heartbreak. I'm tired of recovering from unwise choices and entertainment counterfeits. I need some wisdom. God wants to give us wisdom because you have a calling on your life. And watch this. When you understand you're called, you will begin to live like an answer. Thank you for the two golf claps. When you understand that you're called, you will be able to live like an answer and talk like an answer and respond like an answer and you date like an answer and you eat like an answer and you sleep like an answer. You don't react because you're an answer. You don't overact because you're an answer. You don't get petty with them because you are an answer. God wants to give us wisdom so that we don't constantly make choices <laughs> that place us in seasons of recovery. Or if I could put it the way that God gave me during prayer, I wanna help you have wisdom so that you don't make choices that place you in a prolonged winter. Anybody want spring? Like the, the season of your life, I wanna help you so that you're not living with icicles. So that you're not living in winter. And I was reading Proverbs on my own personal time. I'm studying the book of Proverbs. It is a passage of scripture, a passage in the Bible that is labeled the book of wisdom. And this, this one part in Proverbs chapter 8 is as though wisdom is speaking to us. Wisdom's like, how long are you going to be simple? I was like, that's an insult. <laughs> not stupid. How long are you going to be simple? Just imagine, you're so simple. <laughs> How long are you going to be simple? If you want wisdom, come to me. And this part messed me up as I was reading it. Proverbs chapter 8, I want you guys to see this. Verse 34, you can look on the screen. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my door, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me, speaking of wisdom, those who find me receive favor from the Lord. But look at this, y'all. Those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. All who hate correction love death. All who hate accountability love death. All those who hate discipleship love death. If you don't love wisdom, you love death. You love staying in winters longer than you have to. 
This is so good. I told you it was going to be real. The enemy will always start talking when it's time for you to make a choice. Always start talking when it's time for you to make a critical decision. We'll always start talking when it's time for you to obey. This series, we are exposing tactics of the enemy. Because we talked about it. We, like, it's going to be hard if you don't know how to apply biblical principles on yourself. Sis, my dude, it's going to be hard for you to extend biblical principles to others. Because watch this, the sobriety of your judgment is tied to your ability to forgive those who have wronged you and forgive yourself for wronging you. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. The sobriety of your judgment. A lot of us are drunk on revenge. Like we're drunk on wanting to get them back. But the sobriety of your judgment is tied to your ability to forgive others and forgive yourself. And we also learned last week, if you don't know how to make peace with your past, if you don't know how to form a peace treaty with your past, you will live life exhausted. Why do you think Satan keeps bringing up your past? <laughs> I'm going to bring up the past and I'm going to exhaust them with it so that every single time they have to make a critical decision, you can't make it from a place of wisdom. You make a decision from a place of tiredness. I'm too tired. You are using all of your energy and effort on expired fights. Oh, and I didn't get to this part last week. Not just expired fights, but also their fights. Can I help us this afternoon? You learn how to protect your peace meter when you can discern that's their problem, not mine. And every problem, you don't have the grace to fix. Just because it's a problem doesn't mean I have to fix it. I need wisdom so that I'm not wasting my energy on expired fights and their fights. Could this be why you have headaches? Could this be why your eyes are twitching? Could, could this be why your hair is falling out? Could this be why you're losing your appetite or you're overeating? Could this be why you laid down last night for eight hours but you woke up with the battery of your spirit still on red? Because you are using all of your effort and all of your energy on expired fights and their fights. Can I get somebody to just shrug like this and say, that ain't even my problem. <laughs> but do you live like that though? Can you discern your problem from their problem from an expired problem? Can we talk, y'all? Y'all didn't say nothing, so I'm gonna ask again. Can we talk? Like a lot of people and a lot of places mishandled our heart, not always due to maliciousness, but rather due to us being unable to discern that's expired or that's theirs. See, see, hear me. One of the weapons of hell that is going undetected is the weapon of tiredness. I know we think it's a demon. I know we think it's an addiction, but, but a weapon that goes undetected is the weapon of tiredness. I could take you out if I could wear you out. I could take you out if I could wear you out. I'm not going for the headshot. I'm going for the body shot of your passion. I'm going for the body shot of your faith. I could take you out if I could wear you out. So now a lot of us are making decisions tired. Making decisions exhausted. Oh, if I can get us to become a people who have purpose awareness. Like you are aware of why you're here. You're not just, many of us are just existing. You're breathing every day and you don't even know why you're breathing. And so when you don't know why you're here, you'll take on fights that are conducive for you. Let me give you a Bible. Look at this. All right. Uh, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 27. It says, he who passes by, <laughs> he who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own. You know what meddles means? 
Meddles means to engage or make oneself busy by involving themselves in something that's none of your business. <laughs> I'm giving y'all a Bible. Why y'all look at me like that? That's Bible. For you to meddle, that means I'm making myself busy involving myself in somebody else's business. He who passes by, that means this is not even your destination, bruh. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Now, y'all go walk down the street and just grab a random dog by his ears. What is it going to do to you? <laughs> you just see a beautiful German Shepherd come yank that thing's ears. What do you think it's going to do to you? So a lot of us are getting bit, and now we need healing. See? See? Y'all don't want to talk to me. We're getting bit, grabbing stuff that's not yours. Now we need therapists. Now we need counseling. Now we need help. And God's trying to give you wisdom and say, listen, can you identify that's not your problem? We need healing now because we're dealing with expire fights and their fights. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not promoting for you to be selfish or you to feel as though I just gave you confirmation on why you don't serve or why you don't do people. People always take stuff out of context. See, Pastor Jerry said, don't do people. No. I'm speaking of a principle called stewardship. Stewarding your peace. Stewarding your rest. Stewarding your mental health. Jesus even did this with his ministry. Jesus knew when to go and Jesus knew when to stay. Jesus knew when to go where they asked him to go and he knew when to just speak and say they will be healed. Jesus knew when to speak and Jesus knew when to give no reply. And so what I'm trying to do is help us so that we won't try to give CPR for things that we don't have the lungs for and then when you stand before your problem, you're short of breath. Your destiny is gonna require a fight. You don't have the lungs for that. Your destiny is going to require a fight. Your purpose is going to require a fight. Your calling is going to require a fight. So at least preserve your energy for your fights versus expire fights and their fights. Y'all don't want to talk to me. Somebody may ask, bro, why are you preaching so hard? <laughs> why are you preaching so hard? And why has y'all worship been so intense? I do it for two reasons. Number one, I believe God is that good. I just truly believe it. And I found him in my youth. I believe God is that good. I believe he deserves my worship. I believe he deserves my faithfulness. I believe he deserves all I got. When I was on a step team, I was stepping and strolling and not caring what people think. And now when I get saved, I'm gonna care what you think. I'm gonna care about your like. I do this because I believe he's worth it. And right now, God is speaking to us because he's saying, I need my people to have wisdom. I'm trying to give you guidance. You have too many critical decisions before you, and I need you to have a conversation with wisdom. That's why I do this. The second reason I'm preaching so hard is because you and I are in a fight. <laughs> See, listen, you and I are in a fight. If you don't recognize that you're in a fight, you're already losing. Talk Holy Ghost. You and I are in a fight. If you can't recognize you're in a fight, you're already losing. We have an enemy, y'all. We have an enemy. And for some of us, oh, it's about to get real. For some of us, he's been after us our whole life. Our whole life. When your stepfather or your stepmother molested you, that's when it started. We was talking about that in church. Enough with people saying, preach pastor in public, but God help me in private. Yeah, that's, that's when it started. It started when that friend introduced you in middle school when they introduced you to weed. And now still to this day, you can't stop getting high. That's when it started. It started when that friend in high school, sidebar, isn't it funny that a lot of us are currently dealing with struggles from the people we labeled as friends? That's a whole nother sermon. Miss Celeste, that's a whole nother word. That's a whole nother sermon. Yeah, it started in high school when that friend exposed you to lesbianism. That's when it started. It started from that pornographic pop-up in your email or that pornographic gif, or some of y'all may not remember this. It started when you were sneaking downstairs and watching BET Uncut. 
Y'all remember that? <laughs> Whole generation Z, like, what's uncut? Don't worry about it, Bilbo. Don't worry about BT after dark. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But that's when it started. Somebody say, that's when it started. Yeah, it, it started when your mother called you stupid and, and you're dumb and you're never going to amount to anything and why you can't be more like your brother and why you can't be more like your sister and now you have all of these self-esteem issues and you wonder why you compare yourself to everybody else. It's because sibling, sibling rivalry started when you were a child, when your mother was saying, be like your brother or be like your sister and now you can't post without looking at their ministry or looking at what you're doing. If you could trace it, you could unlearn it. You can trace it. You can unlearn it. You cannot unlearn material from a classroom you forgot you took. If you could trace it, you can unlearn it. That, that's, that's when it started. It started when your father just left with no explanation, and you're wondering, what is it I did? Is it something mama did? If, if I would have done my chores a little more, because for many of us, your father broke your heart before a man ever did. That's when it started. It started when they left, or when she left, when he left, when they didn't call, when they didn't reach out a whole life. The enemy has been trying to provide us with a series of events to incarcerate us with pain. So by the time it's time for you to make a decision, you make it from protecting self versus protecting your gift. Our whole life, a series of events. See, Satan wants exactly what God wants. <laughs> God wants faithfulness. He wants souls. And he wants worshipers. Satan wants your commitment. He wants your soul. And he wants your worship. Can I get somebody to say, not today? Not today. There is a declaration that I want us to declare over our lives that our praise sticks like adhesive to your brain. And that declaration is, I'm not yours. Can I get somebody to shout, I'm not yours? Don't play with me now. For some of us, it's prophetic. For some of us, it's a war call. For some of us, it's a promise. For some of us, we're speaking prophetic. Can I get somebody to say, I'm not yours? I'm not yours. My body is not yours. No longer will I allow my body to be treated as anything less than sacred. My body was not made for fornication. It was not made for adultery. It was not made for same-sex sin. It was not made for sexual immorality. Y'all not talking to me. It was not made to pass the Cavassier. Pastor Cavassier are sipping on some scissor, sip, sipping, it's not made for sipping on scissor or sipping on gin and juice, but your body has been made to carry the kingdom of heaven. Your body has been made to house the Holy Ghost. Your body has been made to be God's transportation system throughout the earth. Somebody yell this declaration, I'm not yours. My mind is not yours. No longer will I allow my mind to be on a merry-go-round. This will be the year of mental stillness. This will be the year of mental regulation. This will be the year of mental peace. My mind is not yours. I feel like preaching it here. My mind is not yours. I will allow Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 to be branded on the fraternity of my meditations. I will think on things above and not on things beneath. Let me put it this way. Every time I feel like anxiety is starting to rise, I'm gonna find a bird. <laughs> Y'all even understand what I just said. Every time I feel anxiety start to rise, I'm gonna find a bird. Jesus said, look to the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather in barns, but yet your heavenly Father provides for them. How much more valuable are you than they? So every time I begin to worry, I'm going to find a bird. Every time I get anxiety, I'm going to find a bird. Every time I'm questioning myself, I'm going to find a bird. Every time I get fear, I'm going to find a bird. If you can't find one, Google one. If you can't find one, YouTube one. Somebody say, I'm not yours. yours. Y'all sit down. Y'all rushing me. Y'all rushing me. 
<laughs> I'm a fine, a bird. I'm not yours. I want to pick up where we left off last week. Carl, could you put this image on the screen? We left off last week talking about what do you do when you're right here and your past is right there. Somebody say, pick it up. Yeah. Well, we're going to start right there. So I want us to look back at that passage, and we're just going to continue this conversation. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 11, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians. Marching after them, they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt, fool, that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us up out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, fool? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Here it is. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? And we begin to preach right here. He said, tell the Israelites to move on. And then we had church and y'all shouted and y'all had me sweating on my clothes like this. And it's okay. We could turn up for Jesus. It's cool. But, but this is what moving forward looked like. Okay. This, this right here is what moving forward looked like. And if we be honest, y'all, it looks like based on where God says move forward to and where and what's coming behind me, I miss God. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many of us are facing the Red Sea and you think the Red Sea means you miss God. <laughs> because I'm facing a Red Sea, I must have missed God when he told me to start that business. I must have missed God when he told me to start that ministry. I, I must have missed God because all I'm getting is closed doors and no opportunities. Am I talking to anybody? And due to what appears to be a dead end, you begin to feel as though I miss God. And then, so you're going to try to get holy about it. You're going to try to pray. Okay, go ahead and play the sound. When you pray and you're waiting for God to answer your prayer, it's all you hear. Okay, God, you told me to, oh, that was yes, right? No, yes, but I'm trying to, did God tell me to do this? But all I'm hearing is waves. All I'm hearing is the echoes of my situation. All I'm hearing is my fear. All I'm hearing is my doubt. And you said I'm a fast, but all you hear is water. Move forward. To what? God, speak. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Have you ever felt like God is not telling you nothing, but all you hear is the sounds of your atmosphere? Imagine being here, and all you hear is water. And you're like, God, what are you going to do? Wave. After wave. After wave. Many of us would have felt like, because of what I hear, God must be telling me, go back there. How many of us are viewing your Red Sea as a reverse signal? So good. Your Red Sea must mean, go back. I miss God. No favor with this. There's no opportunity with this. And if we don't know how to discern setback or an appearing setup doesn't mean go back, but to be still and watch what I'm about to do. 
we will mislabel a time where God wants to show off as a time where I missed his hand. So good, y'all. This is so good. This is so good. I want to help us to be able to identify when God is saying no. Now, later on in the sermon, it'll be easy for you to identify that God is saying, no, don't go back when the sea is parted. But what about when it hasn't? The beauty of having a friend in your life that can hear God is so that when you, can start, when you start tripping, they can tell you the Lord gonna fight for you, be still. But without a Moses in your life, without a voice of somebody who could hear God, not saying that you can't hear God for yourself, but depending on your season, sometimes all you're hearing is waves. I want us to learn how to identify setback doesn't mean that God is set up does not mean that God is trying to take you back, but he's trying to set up an opportunity to show off. Thank you, sis, for the one golf clap. Thank you. I would be underserving you all as a pastor if I did not dedicate a segment in this series teaching us how to identify the nose of God. If you're going to be able to make destiny decisions, you have to know when God is saying, that's not it. That's not me. That's an angel coming as an appearance of light. That's Satan. But that's not me. He's a master of disguise. I told y'all, say it backwards. He disguises himself as the master. I want you to know. When I'm saying no, and I know I won't get a lot of shouts, and I won't get a lot of, boy, you better preach. I know, I know most of us like inspirational messages and motivational messages. All that does is, is grow a church ratings and increases a pastor's platform at the expense of creating Christ followers who don't know how to endure. <laughs> Christians that renounce God once the pandemic took off. Because all you heard was a God of yes, 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 yes. But when you get a no, I don't believe in this stuff no more. He ain't answering my prayers. And so we have people quitting the faith when they get here. Because you have not been biblically educated how to identify that here does not mean go back there. Teach Holy Ghost. I'm just trying to understand, y'all, why in the world, you talk to me, why in the world if Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, that you are the salt of the earth, why are we binging sugar? Like, sweet tooth Christianity is not going to help you when you get here? Y'all don't want to talk to me. <laughs> sweet tooth Christianity is not going to help you when you're facing a Red Sea? Lukewarm faith is not going to help you when you reach a hellish season? It's not going to help you when I find myself in the middle. Listen, y'all, the byproduct of being sold out is hardship. Oh, boy. Let's go a little deeper. The byproduct of God loving you is not by giving you continued yeses. The byproduct of loving you is telling you no. Y'all say it with me. No. That is a way that we could actually know that God loves us because I can't speak for anybody else. But there have been times I wanted to do stuff and God said, no. there were places I was trying to go, but God said, no. there were people I was trying to hook up with, but God said, no. and many times that comes in the form of traffic. I remember one time I was trying to go to the club in college. I was trying to go, I wanted to like pledge a fraternity, I wanted to go and check it out, and this traffic on 45 just was not moving. That was God saying, no. <laughs> some of us don't even recognize that breakup was God saying, no. oh, y'all preaching? Y'all need to come on up here. How many mics you got in the back? Y'all need to come up here. God saying, no, you think it was just the person you broke up with. God is saying, no, I'm trying to dismantle the, the pattern. Yeah. You, you didn't just break up with the person, you broke up with a pattern. See, the pattern existed before the person. I'm trying to dismantle the pattern so that the person can't fit in your life anymore. 
When you have a purpose, y'all don't want to talk to me. <laughs> Can I get everybody to say this confession? Can I get everybody to say, Father, help me to remember that your yes and your no are all submerged in the same amount of love. Mm -hmm. His yes and his no are all submerged in the same amount of love. His weight, too. His weight, his yes, and his no, they all have the same amount of love on it. For all of us, under the sound of my voice and watching online, who want things to go your way. For all of us, under the sound of my voice, who are honest enough to admit, you have mood swings when things don't go your way. How real are we? We real? Thank y'all, I'm real. Some of y'all aren't real, but it's okay. We're gonna be real for the rest of y'all. <laughs> for all of us who have ever felt like, God, if you don't move on this, God, if you don't do this, God, if you don't change this, I'm out. Is this too real? I'm trying to be real, y'all. I just believe it. We need real sermons, not hype ones. <laughs> I feel like, God, if you don't do this, I'm out. See, Therapy Thursday was just a setup for today's sermon. That's all it was. It was a setup. Because anytime you want to control the outcome of a thing, you're really saying, God, I don't trust your judgment. You're saying, God, I would be a better God in my life than you. If I was God, I would have opened that door. If I was God, I would have been married by now. If I was God, I would have been breathed on my ministry. If I was God, I wouldn't have me wait anymore. You would know I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of hearing sermons on the wait. I'm tired of hearing people say wait. You would know that. If I was God, I would do it better than you. <laughs> this is why, see, when we have been married to, married to control for so long, surrender feels like a divorce. Because it's hard for me to recognize you don't run nothing. I told us it was going to be a little rough. Your hairline probably right here right now. <laughs> Sometimes God puts us in a situation to remind us that you are not God. And I don't know what happened to where we are preaching sermons, making people believe that God was created to serve us. See? You see that? You see that, sis? Like, like, we actually think God was created. First, he wasn't created. He's always been there. But he exists to serve us versus us here to serve him. And so we get an attitude when he tells us no in the form of a closed door because we must have got amnesia and forgot he is not here to serve us we are here to serve him. Oh, this is sound theology, y'all. See, I want us to think about if we were Paul. If we were Paul, can I teach for a little bit? Enough of preaching, but I want to teach for a second, okay? I want us to see 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. I want you to think if you were Paul. This is Paul, okay? We're talking about the apostle Paul. He says... Three times I pleaded. Somebody say beg. Three times I begged and pleaded with the Lord to take this thorn away from me. Take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. What do you do when you're saying, Father, Take this cup away from me. And he says, no. <laughs> God, this thing that is uncomfortable for me in my life, take it away. And he says, no. My grace is sufficient for you. So now you got to think about who we're talking about, y'all. We're talking about the apostle Paul. A man who has loved God, Lord have mercy, wrote like what, 13 books in the New Testament, has been imprisoned. I'm thinking now, if I was God, <laughs> it's just me. 
If I was God, I would look at how faithful Paul has been. Ooh, this is getting real. I would look at how many times I came to church at 12 on Sunday, and you were on time. I would look at how many times you gave. I would look at where you serve, and I would say, yes. I would think Paul, Paul has done miracles. Paul has been in prison. Paul has been beaten. Paul has experienced shipwreck. All for my glory. Paul has, I know he's been better than me. Jerry, I know he's done more than me. I have not wrote three, 13 books in the Bible. I haven't done that. Like Paul does praise and worship and there's earthquakes and everybody's chains falling off. Like God said yes before. See, this is what makes it hard. When God says yes before, but he's saying no now. If I was God, I'm thinking due, due to how faithful Paul has been, surely I'm going to tell him yes. In fact, some of us have prayed like this. God, I would be more effective in ministry. <laughs> I could do more for you if you were to say yes to this opportunity, if you were to say yes to my entrepreneurial pursuit, oh, I can give to other people. I could be at church all the time. I could do whatever you want. Just say yes to this. You're trying to make sense of it with your finite mind to an infinite God. And his response to you is, my grace is sufficient. What does that mean, bruh? See, I told you I was a student pastor, so I don't, just, I don't just throw biblical rhetoric out and just assume everybody knows it. I have people tell me that, man, this is hard. His grace is sufficient. What does that look like, though? Can you explain it? Can you exegete it? So why are you telling me a passage that you don't even know what it means? Never had people, some of us done it. <laughs> we tell people stuff, well, he's faithful. He, he always, he may not come when you want him, and, 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 you know, but, but he's always on time. All I know is he's Jehovah Jireh. What does Jireh mean? All you know is a song by Maverick City. What do you, what do you know? <laughs> well, what does that mean? And I'm like, doesn't grace have more to do about forgiving sins? Like we're saved by grace through faith? What if grace is so much more than that? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. But mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Ooh. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Grace means the unmerited favor of God. It is the undeserved favor of God. Grace is translated in the Greek and is used in the New Testament over 150 times. Grace also means for God to freely extend himself. Grace is when God is freely extending his revelation to you. He is freely extending his peace to you. He is freely extending his power to you. So now it makes a little bit of sense. God is saying, no, I am sufficient. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. He's saying, no, I am sufficient. Because if I were to give you a yes, you would not know me as sufficient. Did y'all catch it? If I were to give you a yes on this, see, there is a, there is a level of intimacy you could experience with God only when he gives you no. You won't really know me to different degrees and different dimensions if you only get the yes from me. But the no from me is showing you another posture of your God. I could break it down to you. No, I'm not going to stop you, Daniel, from being thrown in the lion's den. Because if I would have gave you a yes, you would not know me as the God who shuts the mouth of the lion. So I'm going to tell you no so that you can be introduced to another dimension of who I am. Does that make sense? No, I'm not going to allow you to not be thrown in the fiery furnace. If I would have told you yes, you would not have experienced the fourth man in the fire with you. So my no is for your revelation to know me. No, I'm not going to stop your brothers from betraying you. Joseph, if I would have told you yes, you wouldn't be in position to serve the same people who betrayed you years later because they saw you and talked behind your back, but I'm going to bless you in front of their face. But you wouldn't get that version of me if I only gave you yes. 
No, I'm not going to let Malon live. How many of us know who Malon is? Malon. See, only a few hands. Malon was Ruth's first husband. It was her husband. Okay? It was her husband. But watch this. The reason many of us don't know about Malon is because what God is going to do in your next is bigger than your past. Nobody remembers the past because what I'm going to do in your next is so big, we don't even preach about Malon. We don't do sermons about Malon, oh, but we do sermons about Ruth and Boaz. If I would have said yes and let him live, you never would have met Boaz. But I needed for you to meet Boaz so that y'all can have a, a child named Obad. And y'all can have a and Obad can have a child named Jesse. And Jesse can have a child named David. And Jesus is coming through. Talk Holy Ghost. You won't know me to how I want you to know me if I only give you yes. So sometimes my no is so that you can know me at another dimension. My no is an introduction to another dimension of who I am. No, I'm not going to stop Pharaoh from coming behind you. Look, before we go there, I want to show y'all this. Can I show y'all something? Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read this from the Message Bible, okay? I want to show y'all something real quick. Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it says, Then they went to Phrasia, and then, on, and then on through the region of Galatea. Their plan was to turn west. Can I get somebody to say their plan? Yeah. Oh, y'all talk to me. Say their plan. Yeah. Their plan was to turn west into Asia Providence, but the Holy Spirit blocked that route. So they went to Messiah and tried to go north to Bethnia. But the spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Hold up. Leave it up there, Carl. Leave it up there. I told you it's time to teach. All right. So everybody say their plan. Their plan was to go to Asia Providence. Okay. But Paul had a relationship with God so much so that due to the restriction of them going there, he didn't think to himself, work harder. Y'all missed it. Listen, the resistance didn't make him think we need to grind harder. The resistance didn't make him think I just need more money and then I can get there. But he was able to identify the resistance as the Holy Spirit blocking it. Gosh, I'm teaching up in here. He had such a relationship with God when he could discern this one means God is saying no. And so what he did, like most of us would have done, maybe this was the wrong route then. So then they tried to go another route, north. But the spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. It didn't say haters wouldn't let them go there. Their pastor wouldn't let them go there. Their husband wouldn't let them go there. My boss wouldn't let them go there. Paul was able to recognize me being blocked is the spirit of Jesus. See, if you don't know how to identify a closed door as God, you'll be mad at the wrong person. Ooh, some of us have left, some of us have left churches because a pastor you thought was telling you no to whatever position you wanted, but it really was the Holy Spirit blocking that route. I'm going to prove that in just a second. Sometimes God is using people to tell you no because it's really a route the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to go. Now, he's going to do this in many different ways, and a lot of times it's through closed doors. It's through the lack of an opportunity, and you're mad at the vessel and the person. But Paul was mature enough to recognize this ain't the wind. This isn't even the devil. This is the Holy Spirit. This is God telling me no. And if you keep on reading, you could study on your own time. The reason God was telling them no is because I need you to go to Macedonia. Okay? So many of us are upset 
because you want Asia Providence, but God needs you in Macedonia. So the reason I'm telling you no is because you're not needed right now in Asia Providence. You're needed right now in Macedonia. You're needed right now at another place. And you're upset of my no now, unaware of what people need now. I know I've told you yes before. I know I've done that in your life before. But this time, I'm telling you no. Why? Because you getting to Macedonia was a destiny decision. And he was able to identify resistance doesn't mean work harder. This is so good, y'all. Oh, we need more teaching like this, y'all. I'm not going to stop Pharaoh. (laughs) I'm not going to stop Pharaoh from coming behind you. If if I would have said yes and stopped him right now, you would have never knew me as a God who could part seas. (laughs) This is good, y'all. Listen, there's two reasons I believe God leads us to Red Seas. Y'all ready for this? No, you're not. (laughs) Y'all ready for this? Two reasons why God leads us to Red Seas. The first reason is to give you a I know that I know. See, you heard in the back, Trace, I heard you. (laughs) The, The reason God leads you to the Red Sea or any Red Sea is to give you a I know that I know. Like, you know you could crack an egg. But you know that you know that you can't crack a seed. I want to do something so massive in your life where your degrees can't take the credit. Your accolades can't take the credit. A position can't take the credit. A platform can't take the credit. An endorsement can't take the credit. I'm going to keep going until we get it. Can nobody take the credit? All you'll be able to say is, I know that I know God did this. The reason I'm still saying right now, I know that I know God did this. The reason that that bullet didn't take me out, I know that I know that God did this. The reason I survived that car accident is because I know that I know God did this. The reason I didn't marry that life wrecker is because I know that I know that God did this. I know. God will lead you to a place so that you can know that you know I'm with you. (laughs) You can know that you know. Look, look, y'all, I'm going to give you a Bible. Look at this. Uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 19. It says, the angel of the Lord the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army. All this will preach. I don't have time. <sighs> the, the angel of God who had been traveling in front of the Israel of army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. Coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel throughout the night. And the cloud brought darkness to the one side and the light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. So God was saying, okay, right now, I'm going to lead you. But right, uh, as what you're about to face right now, I'm going to get behind you. Some of us don't even recognize God is saying, in this season, I got your back. I got your back. This is why I wonder why, Miss Flowers, he's called the Alpha and the Omega. Because I'm the beginning and I'm the end. Sometimes I got to be in front, but somebody coming behind you, now I got to be in the back. And it says that darkness was to one side and light to another side. This means God was hiding them. I'm not even going to let you see how close death is to you. I'm not even going to let you see how close the enemy is to you. I'm not even going to let you see because if you were to see, you would probably drown yourself. So I'm going to cover you where you can't even see. God knows how to blind the enemy so he can't put his hands on you. Preach Holy Ghost. It says all night long. Look at this. Verse 21. It says, then Moses stretched out his hand. Over the sea, and all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the wall of water on the right and on the left. This is what's messing me up. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. Somebody say dry. Can we see this, Carl? I'm just thinking, at night, God is blowing this wind all night long so that y'all are walking through 
on dry ground. On the right side, this could kill you. On the left side, this could kill you. Behind you, they could kill you, but I'm making a way for you in front of you. This is so good, y'all. This is so good. And what tripped me out is that's supposed to be mud. You're supposed to struggle as you're following God. You're supposed to struggle as you're trying to get to the next season. But God is saying, for where I'm taking you, no residue. No residue. No residue. No footprints for where I'm taking you to. Can we give God praise that he's saying no residue? No residue. I'm not taking trauma with me. I'm not taking bitterness with me. I'm not taking lust with me. No residue. No residue. And you're surrounded. Past behind you. Death on the left of you. Death on the right of you. But promotion in front of you. Now listen. Listen. The second reason why God leads us to Red Seas is God's going to handle your Pharaoh. <laughs> God doesn't like horror stories. He doesn't like horror stories. God's going to handle your Pharaoh. They're going to try to come after you, but I'm going to handle your lightweight because for, for God, everything's a lightweight. Matter of fact, it's a welterweight. Matter of fact, it's a featherweight. God is like, I'm going to handle your lightweight. Let them try to follow you because really, they're messing with me. Now look, the Israelites could shout because their past was drowned with water. But I wonder how many of us will give God praise because your past was drowned with blood. Yeah. Depending on what you did, you probably like this. But if you know you kind of be ratchet, if you know you used to turn up, if you, you know you used to be on one, when you think about how much blood it took, I want to handle, I want to handle your Pharaoh so that God can give us an Exodus chapter 15 testimony. Exodus chapter 15 verse 1, it says, then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to, Lord, to the Lord. I bet y'all did. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him, my father's God. I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, with majestic and power, your right hand, Lord, has shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger on them. It consumed them like stubble, but by the blast of your nostrils, I can barely read this, y'all. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging water stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue them. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword in my hand and destroy them. But you blew your breath. And the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working in wonders? Can we give God a praise in the house? God is doing something, y'all. God is doing something. Who is like the Lord? All right. Somebody say, who is like the Lord? So let me give you this few points on how you could identify when God is saying no. Point number one, the way that you could discern when God is saying no 
is a unsettling. Okay? One of the biggest red flags God gives is the absence of his peace. That's not them tacos you ate. That's not gas. Listen, y'all. Indwelling means bowels. Okay? It's that gut feeling. You felt it before you made a decision. You felt it before you said, I do. You felt it before you went over to the house. You felt it before you signed that contract. I'm trying to help us. How to identify God's no is when there is this unsettling in your bowels. Because you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. One of the ways you can know that God is saying no is the absence of his peace. Number two, the second way that you could know that God is saying no is by blocking. We just read that. When no matter what route you try to take with this, the spirit of Jesus is saying no. And my desire with this sermonic journey was for us to be similar to Paul. Don't get mad at the person you feel didn't hire you or the person who didn't endorse you. Could it be God saying, this is not my will? Blocking. Number three, the way that God speaks to us and helps us with no is through vessels. Vessels. Right now, I'm a vessel. Could be a brother, could be a sister, a pastor. That's a vessel. Why are you mad at the vessel when God is trying to give you the answer? Now, look, let me, let me give this because in our generation, millennials, Generation Z, I don't got to go to church. I got to do it. I don't need, okay, I, I want to show you something. Um, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Th that's all I'm doing right now. I'm giving you knowledge and understanding so that you could have wisdom because we read earlier, if you hate wisdom, you love death. Vessels, brother, sister, spiritual leader, coach, therapist, counselor. God could be using them to tell you, no, this is not my will. Number four, the fourth way I believe God tells us no is by close calls. Anybody ever had one of those? Close call, like a, the bullet just a little closer. Like, you should have got pregnant. Y'all don't want to talk. Close calls. I'm serious. Close calls. That, that car almost hit you. You almost signed it. Close calls. And what you feel is God saying, see? No. No. That, that, that's... That's not me. If you go that route, it could lead to your demise. Okay? Next one. This is personally one of my favorite ones just because I think this is how I navigated my life. Another way God helps us and another way that we can identify when God says no is by third-party observations. Just look at some people. Y'all ever done that? I like watching people. I don't judge them, but I like watching them. I just watch, I just watch. Like I could look, I'm looking at somebody else's seeds that they sowed. And I see the harvest they reaped. And I'm like, I'm not gonna sow that. <laughs> I remember when I was a student pastor, I said, y'all wanna know one of the ways that y'all could be holy? They said, how? I said, oh, y'all into the sermon. I said, you know how y'all could be holy? How? Do the opposite of what your generation does. Just do the opposite. They drink, don't. They turn up, you turn down. But you can turn up for Jesus. Just, just do the opposite. Maybe I don't understand sanctification and justification and uh, exegesis and apologetics. I'm trying to teach y'all all that stuff. But one of the way, just look at, just look. Look at, since she started dating that dude, bro, how they've been fighting down the hall and you still got to go to home ec. You still got to do history. You are having marital problems at 15. Just watch. Look, look. Give you Bible. 
Just so you can say, okay, I don't agree with that. I was following him. I don't watch. Look, uh, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12 says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. See, just watch. Just watch. Some of us move too fast to watch. The only speed you know is haste. Just watch. Well, I'm praying about this. Just, just watch. Just watch. Because I promise you, God is not going to take his time and answer you slowly when you are about to make a choice that will hurt you. He'll let you know quick. I'm not going to allow you to continue to break your heart. I'm going to tell you swiftly, no. What I want us to do is get to a place to identify his no. Because if you can't hear it, you can't heed it. And then when he says no, trust him. I asked the Lord three times, take this thorn away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for my power is made strong in your weakness. I want us to get to a place where you could trust God's no. Rejoice over God's no the same way you will rejoice over God's yes. Was this good? Yes. Come on,